United Soccer Coaches is proud to bring you the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast, covering all aspects and all levels of the game we love. The United Soccer Coaches podcast is presented by Team Snap and hosted by veteran soccer announcer Dean Linky, the longtime television and podcast voice of the association. Now, here's Dean with this week's show. I am Dean Linky, and today on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap, we double down on sports performance and sports nutrition. We get things started talking about a new sports performance diploma developed via United Soccer Coaches through the great work of John DeWitt, Stacey Wilson, Paolo Passioni, and James Wagenschutz. They break down all four modules of this diploma, which is going on right now. It should get you intrigued. It should make you want to be part of the next time they offer this sports performance diploma. It ends with Stacy Wilson talking a little bit about sports nutrition, but we dive really deep into sports nutrition with accomplished sports nutritionist Nancy Clark, who breaks down all the do's and don'ts of what you put in your body. Sports performance diploma, courtesy of United Soccer Coaches and sports nutritionist expertise from Nancy Clark. It starts with John DeWitt and the gang after this message from Team Snap. Does managing your club or league feel like a second job? If so, you might need some help. With Team Snap, you can get it. Their customers save up to 15 hours each week on tasks such as communication, registration, scheduling, and more. Plus, everything you need is online, which means no more trips to the bank, no more lost checks, and no more colossal spreadsheets. Bring your club or league into the 21st century with Team Snap. Go to TeamSnap.com to learn more. Team Snap is proud to be the presenting sponsor of the United Soccer Coaches podcast. This is the United Soccer Coaches Podcast presented by Team Snap. I am Dean Linky, and as I mentioned in the open, today we will focus on sports performance and sports nutrition. Later in the program, I visit with sports nutritionist Nancy Clark. But before that, we will have 40 minutes talking about a new sports performance diploma developed by United Soccer Coaches. It's a 20-hour online and virtual course geared toward coaches of youth, high school, college, and professional players who want to gain and apply knowledge in the area of high performance. The objective of the Sport Performance Diploma is to provide coaches with current performance training methodologies with practical application strategies to incorporate into their respective programs. The attendees will gain access to sport performance professionals and experiences that will aid them in their professional development and practical application. The four-month course consists of a combination of online lectures, supported reading material, and a live virtual question and answer session in the final week of each module with the course instructors. Coaches who have a background in soccer but would like to learn more about high performance and or who have a sports performance background and would like to learn more about how to incorporate their expertise into soccer are ideal candidates for this unique diploma. With that, I'm going to turn it over to John DeWitt, who will be joined by Stacy Wilson, Paolo Passioni, and James Wagenschutz, who will introduce themselves in a moment. So John DeWitt, who is a longtime staff member of United Soccer Coaches and a frequent presenter at the convention, it is your time to be the host extraordinaire, so take it away, John DeWitt. Thank you, Dean, and thank you to United Soccer Coaches for devoting most of today's shows to this sports performance diploma. Before I introduce you to Stacy, Paula, and James, let me tell you a little bit about my role in this course. 
I've been working with United Soccer Coaches for the last 25 years in various capacities. Most recently, I've been working in the convention to develop and to promote lots of courses that are based on sports performance. So things such as training, monitoring, testing. So a while back, a few of us on the staff got together and said, hey, you know what? A lot of the courses that we can go through for our uh, professional development and learning in soccer touch a little bit on sports performance, but there isn't really anything that's specific to sports performance. And we've had lots and lots of people reach out to us during conventions saying, hey, we would really be interested if we could have some course like this. So the four of us got together and put together an outline of what would be a sports performance diploma. Originally, of course, like with most of our courses, we expected this to be a attendance course over a weekend with some ideas of potentially developing into a full week course, because there's certainly enough material to do that. But with COVID, we went ahead and did a shift and moved this to be an online course. So I've been working as basically coordinating this and, and working with the group to uh, get the, the course together. In addition to my coaching that I've done with United Soccer Coaches, I've coached uh, soccer for a variety of levels for, for many, many years. Back in the 90s, I was a Division I college coach. I was a girls Olympic development regional head coach for an age group. I moved to Houston and got involved with the Houston Dynamo Academy and then the Houston Dash. And along the way there, working with Randy Waldrum on the Houston Dash, I got involved on the coaching staff of the Trinidad and Tobago women's national team. I've also been involved with the Afghanistan women's national team. So I've been involved with soccer at, at uh, all levels, lots of my specifics are on the fitness and, and uh, sports performance. Actually, right now, I, I'm not working specifically in soccer. I've actually, I'm working for the Chicago Cubs baseball team in the area of biomechanics, but it's all sports. So my interest here is uh, helping coaches to understand and utilize sports performance. So when we talk about this course, the main goals of the course are uh, to, to provide coaches with up-to-date information and research related to soccer science topics, to give coaches the ability to synthesize theoretical concepts and practical application in soccer performance prep, and to create an environment where coaches will discover how to investigate and reflect on practices in the area of performance preparation and planning. We've broken the diploma into four modules, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we do that, I'd like to introduce our panel. Up first is Stacy Wilson. Welcome, Stacy, and tell us a little bit about your background and your role in this course. Well, thanks for having me. A little bit about my background. Like most folks played the sport growing up, played pretty high level during youth all the way through college and got to play a little bit with the pros and national team. So with that, I was able to experience some really great strength and conditioning programs, you know, because I was exposed to some of the best coaches. But being kind of old, I uh, do recall the old school ways and can kind of, I guess you could say, bridge the gap there. Familiar with some of... Uh, the things that exist in soccer that have been there for a long time. So it's kind of like some of those things I can analyze and say, yeah, they belong there for science reason. And then others are just there more out of tradition. So I kind of crossed over after playing into um, coaching. I was probably one of the few players that enjoyed being in the gym and all the physical aspects of the game. So got NSCA certified and have since then worked with various teams from youth levels all the way high school, male, female, college players, as well as professional players. So gotten to see with that, you know, being on the coaching side of it, sometimes even though I was uh, certified as a trainer, I was given a strength and conditioning coach 
So I understand some of the issues that come up with communication between coaches, the soccer side coaches, working with strength and conditioning coaches. I enjoy the discussions and trying to further advance kind of the understanding because there are so many misconceptions, you know, most people just look at uh, a lot of magazines and, and don't really understand the functional training and science side of it. So that's kind of where my passion is. And through uh, United Soccer Coaches organically met these gentlemen and it was just a fit. As was explained, we've come up with a course and hopefully can share some good science and practical ideas, basically provide methods that are easy to implement, address short and long-term performance, address the just the key areas to performance in soccer. That's awesome, Stacy. Paulo, why don't you go next? Thank you, John. Uh, it's exciting. What an exciting moment for all of us because it's something that's been talked about for such a long time. Uh, I need in the community for uh, a soccer science or sport performance course. And uh, we, we, we got it together thinking of the coach in mind, thinking of who's going to be in this course. And, and it's really a course meant for everybody. My background being a strength and conditioning coach or a fitness coach working in four different countries, Canada, US, Italy, and Mexico now, working at the different levels, whether it's youth, professional, or national teams. I've been able to get the, a grasp of what people are looking to understand or, or what are the gaps in some of the, the knowledges. One of, that's actually one of the great things about my position right now as director of performance here. I'm in charge of all the performance staff. So therefore I'm always doing workshops with them and, and trying to keep them up to date and creating our methodology, which is what, you know, in hand we're gonna do here with uh, the students in our course. So I look forward to the next steps and uh, we'll have a lot of fun doing it too. So Paula, you, you mentioned that you have experience in four different countries. Could you give the listeners just some specifics uh, of what, what club you're at now and what, what clubs you've been at prior to now? So as of now, I'm in uh, Club America in Mexico in Liga Mekis. I started here working primarily with the academy, creating the methodology for the club. And now uh, I'm completely involved with the first team and the women's team included, where I'm in charge of performance. What does that mean? That means linking all the departments that are related to performance uh, development, meaning psychology, nutrition, medical department, trying to create synergies amongst everybody. I'm Canadian. I started out in Canada. I worked with Ontario Soccer Association, the National Training Center, and also with the Canadian national teams for over six years. And at that time, I worked with every single national team on both men's and women's side. Had the pleasure of moving down to Miami. and love, love Florida, of course. And I got to work on an exciting project. We started a team from scratch in the NFL with uh, Miami FC, young coaching staff. So there again, that whole educational uh, output was one of my responsibilities within that staff model. And then my time in Italy, my time in Italy was about 17 years ago where I was still in my formation years in terms of becoming a fitness coach and really exploring. And it gave me the opportunity to understand what the real world will look like in, in terms of performance in the soccer world, very different than what I was exposed to, of course, in Canada. That's great. And finally, James Wagenschutz. Appreciate the opportunity to be a part of this esteemed group. And, and really, when you think about the experiences collectively among uh, Stacy, Paulo, and John, fantastic experiences to draw upon. I've been really fortunate along the way to kind of blend both coaching as a head coach and as an academy director, but also from a performance coach as a certified strength and conditioning specialist. I've had some wonderful experiences, primarily as a coach, 
being thrown into the mix because I had a background in exercise science, uh, head coach said, hey, uh, you know exercise science, you must know fitness, so develop fitness programs. That was really kind of bringing back my undergrad and graduate experiences and research-based data sets in an applied way within a college setting. So I was a college coach for, for nine years, uh, an academy coach for three years, and I really over the last 10 to 15 have been more serving as a consultant to teams, coaches, organizations, and individual players along their path. Everybody from a youth player to a professional player looking to increase their production on the field. And so uh, I've been fortunate the last several years working in the MLS academies with the Philadelphia Union and the Colorado Rapids, basically taking the ideas of, of doing programming on the field, in the gym, and also bridging it with the methodology with the coaches. So really trying to look at it globally with a holistic program for player development. Just been really fortunate to be able to do those things. So currently that's where I'm at is I'm, I'm consulting with, with clubs around the world, taking on new projects and developing a, a holistic model of performance methodology that's integrated into the soccer methodology, as well as providing just pure physical tips for coaches who are seeking advice. One of the things that is really exciting about this module, kind of picking up on what everybody else is, and I'll just kind of lead in with the idea of why this is so important for us, is because there's a real, real opportunity for coaches to enhance their knowledge and to have real true information that's, that's been disseminated among the research and used across the world and make it practical for a coach so that they can do it in their environment, like Paulo said, that it's really relevant for any coach in any environment. So that's one of the really neat things and really exciting things is to be able to share that with all the coaches out there. Stacy, just to follow on with what James said, why is this sports performance diploma important for you? Well, my mom was a teacher, so that runs in my family, the, the desire to share and, and help. But this course in particular, I guess, like I said, with my experience, I've seen so much, you know, I've been, I've done a lot of youth soccer and I've seen a lot of people think that they are doing things correctly. And it's actually asking kids to do things, holding them, you know, trying to push them towards something. And they're not really having the, the foundation that they need for success, seeing injuries occur or demands being put on players' bodies that pipe dreams. And it's all because you could see like, this isn't going to happen when you don't have this. So I think that a lot of coaches do things, a lot of parents, players do things out of a desire to get better. And there is just so much information out there and you have to bring it towards soccer in order to, I guess, contextualize it, you know, make it relevant. I just feel like bridging the gap between the physical and soccer will help so many players and help so many coaches. And that's my make the world a better place type of, that's what I want to do. So that fits with that, that mission. Paula, what about you? I think that's great. I think the word that Stacy used there, context, is the most important thing. I think all, all too often fitness is separated from the game. And uh, the four of us will be able to really bring that to the audience that how things are connected to the game. And that's, I think that's one of the biggest pluses that they're going to get from this course. So many conversations we've had at convention with people that stop us in, uh, in the hallways to have a conversation and further, further their knowledge or put an application to it. And I think that's why we had that light bulb go off with us and say, okay, it's time for us to do a course and really put that together for, for the audience. 
I just want to echo what everyone has said. You know, obviously we're very passionate about this course and and the, just the whole topic. I think one of the things for me that was really important to put in this course together is that there's a lot of people who work in soccer who know a lot about coaching the game of soccer, but maybe not a lot about performance. And there's also people who work in soccer who know a lot about performance, but not a lot about the game of soccer. So what we were trying to do here is bridge that gap to help people both on the, the strength and conditioning and fitness side and also on the coaching side to become better and well-rounded at these with this important topic. We wanted to make sure we gave people opportunities to understand things that are grounded in science, both things that have been done in the lab, but also things that we've all been able to use on the field. So we promised to break down the modules and when they take place, and we're gonna do that when we return from this break. This is the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. College coaches, make sure your program is registered for the 2020-21 College Services Program. While the 2020-21 season looks much different than any of us anticipated, we are committed to providing benefits for College Services members year-round. The College Services Program supports and promotes the college game, including rankings and awards for participating programs, regardless of when your season is played. For more information or to register your program, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash college. Welcome back to United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I'm John DeWitt and I'm joined by Stacy Wilson, Paulo Passioni, and James Wagenschutz. And we're talking about the sports performance diploma. Before we get into diving into module one and two, wanna make sure everyone is aware, we actually have this diploma that's ongoing now. We opened a diploma at the beginning of March and we limited the amount of coaches who could join to 40 because we wanna be able to have an impact on these coaches when we do our live sessions. I'll now talk more about that in a minute. If you're interested in taking this course, because we are planning on rolling this course out more than one time, you can contact United Soccer Coaches to get on a wait list. We're looking to have a new rollout sometime later this spring, early summer. We haven't decided on the specific dates yet, but we will advertise those on the United Soccer Coaches website and we'll send out email announcements. But for right now, the people who are in the course are locked and so they're taking it. So we have current coaches that are in the course, but um, we're gonna go ahead and, and review what's in the course now. That way, if you're interested, you can see about uh, signing up for a future course. We basically have broken this course into four modules. Each of these modules are a month long. We're gonna talk specifically about module one and module two. The modules have been made so they built on each other. And at the end of each module, we have a live Zoom call where our instructor staff are online with the participants of the course so we can answer questions and cover other topics that they might be interested. So the module one is going on now and it'll end on March 31st. We have three topics in the module. The first topic is topic one, physiological demands of the game. The second is long-term athlete development. And the third is soccer periodization. The first topic, physiological demands of the game, this topic is meant to be an introduction to the course, to lay out definitions of things that we built upon in later weeks in the course, and to uh, introduce coaches to some of the terminology and some of the things that we're concerned about when we're coaching. So physiological demands of the game, we're going to refer to the science and literature on what does it take to be a soccer player? Things like distances run and energy systems used, which is basically an overview. But the concept here is to give coaches some basic understanding that's going to help them understand and build on uh, things for the rest of the course. 
So long-term athlete development, Paulo, can you talk a little bit about that module? So in that week is going to be um, a very interesting topic for everyone to really understand what are the elements and how are they going to apply the elements of their training program, the general training program to their group, understanding their group a little bit more in depth, having a little bit more detail and what it means of maturation and, and what are the sports specific or the soccer or the fitness specific elements that they're going to work on at which times and, and, and be effective and safe as well. James, do you want to talk a little bit about the soccer periodization week? So in general, it really just talks about planning and being able to plan and coordinate based upon principles. And the idea is really linking training sessions, the training sessions relative to the games. And so that it's, it's creating a nice flow and an understanding of how things connect from week to week, session to session, and that it's not done arbitrarily, that there's really guiding principles to help coaches understand how to link things so that you can optimize performance, allow for recovery, allow for rest, while making sure that players are fresh and able to execute things on the field maximally. Stacy, do you want to add anything from your perspective on this first module that the coaches should be looking to get out of it? It's just a, a good foundation. It should be a nice springboard for the rest of the course. Okay, great. Well, then let's talk about our second module. So our second module happens during month two on the course. So for the current course we have going on now, that'll be the month of April. In module two, our topics are more focused on how we start to use some of the things we learned in module one and apply them to athlete development. So we have three topics in this module. The first is energy system development in soccer. The second is speed development in soccer. And the third is speed endurance development in soccer. So Paulo, let's take a dive into this three, uh, to these three topics. Why don't you talk, us, talk to us a little bit about the energy system development? For me, this is always a favorite topic. And it's a topic that really meets everybody's needs. Because when people think of energy system development, they think of just running or a, a higher intensity interval session. And that's not what we're going to only talk about. We're going to talk about how in small-sided games that applies. We're going to talk about what are the different intensities? And we're going to break it down into a little bit of a simpler formula than talking about aerobic capacity or aerobic power. We're going to use a model to really simplify your conversation or your language with your coaches and with the people that you work with. You're going to see some examples. We're going to touch each area uh, with some depth, and you're going to be able to understand how those examples apply with the ball, without the ball, and in competitive formats. And Stacy, could you talk to us a little bit about the speed development in soccer module? That should hopefully be a fun topic because I think that gets a lot of general debate. Speed, again, a lot of people look at speed in generic terms of through a track and field runner, and that's one extreme. And soccer, as you know, there's this concept of game speed. So we try to break down what it is game speed or speed of play the different elements that go into speed for a soccer player. I think it's really interesting because this is where you have a lot of the speed of play gets to be a lot of cognitive aspects. So we kind of talk about, like I said, going from, because it's apparent, you know, the, the physical, the, the fact that physical contributes to speed. But again, being in America, you see so many coaches uh, that just run their players or strength train them into the ground for the sake of getting better on the field and there's no translation but you have a lot of coaches that realize that they do need to there's some different 
something off the field that could can help their uh, can help their training. So it's again trying to bridge the gap between the different techniques that will help improve speed and how you get from just training basics to getting to game speed. The sixth topic, which is speed endurance development. So the purpose of this topic is to essentially build on what has been presented both in, in the first module and in topics four and five. So when we talk about speed endurance uh, development, what we're talking about is it's important to be able to run fast, but you want to be able to run fast for a long time. And that long time could be in a specific uh, instance of running, like you're uh, making a full field sprint to uh, either recover or be on a breakaway, or it could be being able to maintain speed as the game goes on. Both of these sort of things are involved in the speed endurance category. So, you know, just as a little, um, as a little teaser, when we're talking about speed or running fast, what we're really talking about is using your anaerobic uh, energy system. So, a lot of times what we want to do is we want to train someone to become better anaerobically. And we can become better anaerobically by doing a couple things. One would be adjusting where we switch from aerobic to anaerobic metabolism. Another would be being able to stay anaerobic for a longer period of time. So what we're going to do in the speed endurance development is discuss and present training methodologies that you can apply to your players to help improve in these factors. You know, at the end of the day, it's, it's, it's usually in a game. It's not about who can run when the game first starts. It's about who can keep on running as the game moves on. And, and I think uh, a lot of coaches know of the, the five minute window, the five minute window being the last five minutes of the half, the first half and second half. This is where lots of goals tend to be scored. I think research will say this is where most goals tend to be scored. And it's probably not a coincidence that it's happening at the end of the periods, especially in uh, games where players can't be substituted uh, because people on one team may be essentially running out of gas. So, so we're trying to, in this uh, speed endurance development, we're, tr we're trying to talk a little bit or, or present methods to help your players uh, stop from doing that. So before we, we move on to modules three and four, Paula, you want to talk a little bit quickly about how we're actually putting this course together? Like what does a person get each week when they get into this course? There's a couple elements. The first element, of, of course, is that the lecture itself. And the lecture is a great opportunity for you to listen to our perspective and the information that we pulled together for the audience. But then the next part is the, the readings. We selected two to three readings for each of the topics so that you can really dive in and start making your own um, assessments and your own uh, investigation. And what's great about the readings that we put in are, are mostly published articles, which always leads you to other uh, pieces of information that you might be curious about. I think that's one of the important aspects of this course is that we want you to learn how to learn and where to go for the information that is, um, is that you're looking for. And then the last element is the, the quizzes. The quizzes are there not meant to pass or fail anybody, but to give you really a recap, to really make you challenge yourself in, in paying attention during the lecture, doing the readings, and then giving you a sense of confidence that you actually checked all the marks, that you, you really understand the topics or the elements that were presented to you. James, can you add on to that? Anything from your perspective? I think Paulo hit it nail, head on the nail with regarding learning how to learn. And that's the reason why we're doing one topic per week is it really allows uh, the coach out there to be able to take 
that week and digest into the information and to be able to learn at their own pace rather than feel like uh, stuff is coming every, every two days or every three days. It really allows the coach out there to take the time to learn it and to use the resources available. Uh, as Paulo mentioned, the research articles, which could take the coach to another, another area of learning. And so it's really important for us that there's practical tips along the way. And I think the quiz and the idea at the end of it is reinforces those concepts. So that way there's a good check for understanding throughout the development of this course. We just talked about module one and module two. So two modules are done. We got two to go. We will now take a break and be back to discuss modules three and module four of this exciting sports performance diploma. This is Dean Linky again, and I wanted to take a moment to salute all of the great people that made this year's United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention such a great success. I had the great honor of serving as one of the hosts, and it was one of the best weeks in soccer I've ever had. With that, while the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention might be over, you can still get involved as we're just getting started. You can still register to receive access to all session recordings and the digital convention platform. Chat with your soccer coaching community and take in top level presentations from coaches around the globe, all at your own convenience. To register and receive access, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. That's right, you can still register for the 2021 United Soccer Coaches Digital Convention and have access to all of the amazing presentations. I hope you can take advantage of the special offer. And again, visit unitedsoccercoachesconvention.org. United Soccer Coaches Advanced Diplomas have long been regarded as an excellent way to expand your coaching knowledge, advance your career, and improve your player's development. Now, with our blended format that incorporates online and in-person learning, coaches with ever-demanding schedules can earn their diploma in the most time-friendly way possible. Visit unitedsoccercoaches.org slash advanced-diplomas for more information. Welcome back as we wrap up our discussion of the Sports Performer Diploma with Stacey, Paulo, and James. Let me set the table again. Module three will take place in the month of May for the people who are currently enrolled in the course, and it features three topics. There's technology in soccer, there's field and laboratory testing in soccer, and there's monitoring tools in soccer. So let's dive in here and get a little bit more information on this. So James, can you talk to us a little bit about technology in soccer? Yeah, great. Thanks a lot, John. I appreciate the opportunity. And and really what we're trying to do with the technology and soccer topic is to sort of set the tone for how to be able to use the technology that's available in certain environments for field and laboratory testing, but also for monitoring. But also if you zoom out a little bit and start to think about why would you buy technology? What are some considerations? What are the questions you might ask yourself? It's really important when, when coaches start to think about it, uh, their decisions regarding to invest in technology, their purpose and, and why you would do something, why would you use it? And then also how you plan to use that information. How do you plan to communicate the information that comes from the technology? So we're gonna look at creating the understanding of why you'd wanna buy technology or not, how you would go about disseminating the information. And then we'll talk a lot about what are some of the tools that are currently available? Maybe some things that have done historically and maybe where the future is going when it comes to technology and soccer. And it really allows the coach to dive into understanding some added benefits and the cost benefit analysis of using technology and soccer to enhance a team's performance. After the technology and soccer week, the next topic will be field and laboratory testing. So, 
you know, as, as coaches, we all know that testing players is part of our job, both to understand where our players are at and to try and help them to improve. So in this week, we're going to talk a lot about field and laboratory testing. So, so one thing though, that I want to uh, set the table on is that I know for me personally, I don't like to call these things tests. I like to call them assessments. And the reason is because test implies a pass or a fail, whereas an assessment implies just finding out the current status of, of somebody for whatever you're doing there. So, so although we'll use testing and assessment interchangeably in this module, really, to me, it's really important that when we talk about testing, we're, we're really not wanting to go to the pass or fail. You know, and it's real simple for those of you coaches who've been out there, you may have a specific evaluation that you want and you may say all players must be able to do something, whatever that is. And then you find a player who can't for whatever reason, they could be generally unfit or it could be that's not in their capability or capacity. Well, that can really put you into a bind because oftentimes soccer is a sport where you don't have to be strong in everything. You got to be strong in some things and that compensates for weaknesses and other things. So, so by establishing um, an evaluation as a test of pass or fail, you, you may create an issue where you could end up having to do something like hold a player out or something like that, that you really don't want to do. So, so one of the things we talk about in this topic is really how we can use assessments. A couple of things we'll talk about in, inside the topic are things that we want to consider when we're doing assessments. And may, some of these things um, you may not have thought of, like for instance, are, if, you if you do an assessment on, on your players uh, in the winter, and then you do it again in the summer, and you've changed the location of where you're doing that assessment, just that location could come into play. For instance, they're doing some like a, an agility drill, and it's on grass. And then all of a sudden you do it and you're on a, a gym floor, or you're on a um, on turf you might have differences in your scores that aren't due to the actual person having a change, but it's due to the environment. So we talk about that. We talk about what type of assessments there are. We talk about how you can use these assessments, some things that you wanna take into account when you're actually applying and, and getting ready to do these things. And then finally considerations, for instance, some players will get very stressed out when they're going through a test or an assessment and maybe underperform. Other players might, uh, expose themselves to injury because they try to overperform because they're trying to prove that they're ready to, to do something. So these are things that we just need to take into account and, and we're going to touch on those. After topic eight, we get into topic nine, which is monitoring tools in soccer. So Paula, you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, what's going to be interesting is that we're going to talk about the difference between the assessing, that is assessments, and monitoring and why are they different and, and how do they apply to your day-to-day -day training programs. Not everybody will have access to technology and so we'll actually show you how to do things without technology as well. And I think that's been very important uh, for all the coaches involved. But not to forget that although you don't have technology at your hands, it's important for you to understand it because very often you will get into the conversation with other coaches or other professionals that will discuss metrics and numbers and ways of uh, getting information that we want to give you the confidence and the ability to, to embark in that conversation and to understand why would you use uh, a certain piece versus another and why do you employ that assessing technique or and that monitoring technique in, in, uh, in, my, uh, in my topic. So you'll, you'll really get to get an understanding of not only performance, but also wellness as well. Those are two aspects of monitoring that you're going to get to explore with us. 
All right, so that's a good overview of module three. Let's uh, switch to final, our final module, module four, that's gonna occur in the fourth month of the course. So our first topic is strength training for soccer. James, you wanna tell us a little bit about that topic? Yeah, I think it's important really to, to create the right context. So when we talk about what is strength, uh, when we define it away from the field and if we define it on the field, and that goes back to something Stacy mentioned earlier on about laying a foundation for players and giving them a foundational element to be successful in whatever they're doing and specifically developing a coordinative neuromuscular coordinative strength to be able to execute whatever they're doing on the field. So we really kind of dive into the foundations of strength, what that means per definition for research, but then put it in context of soccer and what that would look like in a, perhaps a training session design. How would you design it? When would you do it? How long would it last? And some of those programming variables when it comes to, to strength not only just on the field, but then off the field, if we were to go to a gym or if you were to do it with no equipment, how would you do it with no equipment for you coaches out there that may not have any equipment? We talk about when to program, how to program it. So really allows any, any coach that's on the course to be able to think about ways in which they could program or integrate it into their programming. And then James, the next topic is power training for soccer. So you want to tell us a little bit about that one also? Yeah, it's really a, a similar, similar thought process regarding the strength training. It may elaborate a bit more on the speed development uh, in the sense that there might be some underpending factors that can help make players faster and help develop the speed by developing the right programming at the right time for power. So it's connected to that periodization element that we talked about earlier of when to do it and the timing and, and considerations uh, to do it without equipment rather than thinking that all you need is a force plate uh, or you have to have it in order to test power to understand what that could look like in a training session. So really trying to take these broad concepts and make them practical within context of playing soccer. And then Stacy, why don't you tell us a little bit about our final topic, which is nutrition. I actually presented that at the convention, the online um, convention this year. So we touched on it though at the convention, it was a lot more practical, practical tips there. Now we're getting a little bit more into the science, still keeping it practical, of course, a lot of nutrient timing, knowing when to eat what, that is always well-received information, any, any audience. Really, the whole nutrition presentation always seems to be kind of a missing ingredient, you know, with, with teams. Even when people are taking care of doing the extra, the, the right types of fitness, fueling the body is a whole nother puzzle. Trying to talk about, you know, not the food pyramid in a boring way, but basically carbs and protein and fats in ways that relate to soccer nutrition and soccer performance, you know, how you communicate these things with your players, because we're not registered dietitians. So the things that we can go into and we should feel um, comfortable going into protein, that's always, uh, that's a timeless topic uh, that you have to have some discussion of, you know, the, the recommendations for protein are not, not adequate when it comes to athletes. Um, we talk about veganism because that's the a hot topic with college kids and, and high school kids. And with this, a lot more we go into the supplements because understanding the science of the supplements, a lot of people are going to be working now with professional or uh, players in their 20s that you don't have to worry about liability and they actually want to know these things. So really trying to understand supplement safety, you know, talk about 
creatine that that always that's that's interestingly always been a controversial one even though there's so much research on it and the research on it with traumatic brain injury and concussions uh, makes it really um, where more people are wanting to know the science behind it because maybe that can be something in that whole uh, concussion discussion that's going on within soccer it had to actually cut it down <laughs> because it's 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 such a topic so maybe at one point we'll do a, a part two I think people will really enjoy the supplement and and really putting the the meal timing uh, the what do I have before a tournament you know in the middle of games versus if I'm just you know one game during the weekend or pre or pre-training so really tried to go into the science and give practical examples on that. That's an overview of the entire course. We only got about uh, a minute or two left. So Paula, you want to go ahead and, and tell us a little bit about the future directions and, and other things that we're thinking about for developing this topic area? Well, first off, one of the exciting features of the course is the Zoom. Uh, I think uh, a new normal for us is uh, a lot of conferences on Zoom. And I think it's a great opportunity for us to take advantage of the conversation we wanted to create around these topics. Just a presentation might not give the full context. And that's why it's so important to take advantage of the Zoom. Come prepared, have your questions written down, and we'll, we'll do our best to really address uh, everybody's uh, questions, curiosity, and concerns. One of the biggest things that we wanted to really get out of this program is to create a community, a community of people that are passionate about the sport, passionate about the sport development and sports performance development. So that way when we have future workshops and, and progressive courses, uh, those would be the first people that would really want to take part and, and we would want to provide that because this would be like the initial part to really start your learning journey and your, your professional journey. You know, there's so many ways we can take this and, and we're hoping to really take you along for it. That's fantastic. So if you want any more information on, on this performance diploma, please visit the United Soccer Coaches website. And I want to thank Stacy, Paulo, and James for being a part of today's show. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for having us. After the break, Dean Linky will return to talk more about nutrition with Nancy Clark, a sports nutritionist. Thanks for listening to United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Looking for ways to improve your training session? Quick Goal has supplied the highest quality soccer goals, seating, field, and training equipment for more than 30 years. From backyards to the world's greatest pitches, Quick Goal has products essential to every level of the game. As an official partner to the United Soccer Coaches and technical partner to U.S. Soccer, Quick Goal knows what equipment you need to elevate your game to the next level. Visit quickgoal.com to satisfy all your equipment needs. Welcome back to the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. We have a jam-packed show talking about sports performance and also sports nutrition. We don't talk enough about sports nutrition. And my guest, Nancy Clark, who's a sports nutritionist, who reminded me that performance starts with fueling. So we need to start with nutrition. Nancy Clark also has Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook, the sixth edition. So we'll talk about that as well. But first, let me welcome. Nancy Clark. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast. My honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start with that line. Performance starts with fueling. Sometimes just simple statements make sense, Nancy. <laughs> I know it's amazing. So many people think that performance starts with training and it's like, no, you have a car, you put gas in it, it goes. You have a body, you put food in it. 
it goes a lot better. It matters what you eat, when you eat, how much you eat. And so many soccer players are clueless. Well, before we get into what we eat and what time we should eat and that type of things, let's first get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about your path and your journey to becoming a sports nutritionist. I've always lived an active lifestyle. I'm pre-Title IX, so I never was an athlete in my high school or collegiate career, but I was always active and hiking and biking and enjoying, like I say, an active lifestyle. I went to college at Simmons in Boston, majored in nutrition, then did an internship in dietetics at Mass General Hospital, worked for a bit, and then realized I need to know more about how nutrition and exercise connect. So I went back to grad school at Boston University where I combined nutrition with exercise and was one of the first sports nutritionists that has made a viable career out of helping sports active people get the most out of what they're eating. It's interesting how the field has really grown. Initially, people would just say, sports nutritionist, what do you do? Like cook pasta. And, <laughs> and, and now we realize that what you eat really impacts performance. And if you're training hard day after day, you really have to refuel. If you want to build stronger muscles and be a vegan, how do you do that? How do you travel with a team and feed them well when you're on a budget? There's all sorts of ramifications for sports nutrition and how it fits right into a soccer program. And then real quickly, I understand your connection now to United Soccer Coaches comes through a friend to the association, Diane Scavuzzo, who's done so much for the game. Just talk about your connection. Yes, I write a monthly article that Diane reprints in Soccer Today. She was the one that contacted me and connected us, and I'm just really honored to be able to speak to your members. All right, well, let's listen and learn, because I've got some questions here for you about nutrition, particularly for coaches to relay to players, and we also have players that listen to this show as well. But let's start with the basic. What should I eat, Nancy, before, during, and after games or training sessions? You know, what you eat will really depend on what time you're playing. So a lot of high school kids or collegiate students, they train in the afternoon. And what do they do? Sleep through breakfast. Oh, no time for lunch. Grab a candy bar, granola bar. And then they show up at practice on empty. So it's important that they recognize that what they eat at breakfast and lunch and even a pre-exercise snack will fuel them for their soccer practice. And there's research that shows that people that skip breakfast, even if they have a good lunch, they still don't perform as well in, in the afternoon at that training session. The foods that fuel are, most people call them carbohydrates or carbs, but carb is such a tainted word. So I talk about grains, fruits, vegetables. Those are the foods that fuel the muscles. And so you want to eat oatmeal for bread or grab a bagel, grab a banana. You want to have a sandwich at lunch and not just a few lettuce leaves. So the foods that fuel are the grains, fruits, and vegetables that provide the carbohydrates that get stored in your muscles as glycogen. And when the glycogen gets depleted, as it does during an intense soccer practice or game, the athlete feels exhausted, dead legs. So they've got to fuel up. Fuel during halftime is a good time to refuel. And that can be done with sports drinks or gels or orange slices grapes, fruit is excellent, and then refuel afterwards to get ready for the next training session or the next game. Particularly if you're in a tournament situation, you've got to rapidly refuel. So carbs refuel, protein builds and repairs. 
Now, so many soccer players these days are focusing too much on protein. They have a protein bar before they practice. They have a protein shake afterwards. And protein builds and repairs muscles, but it doesn't refuel muscles. You actually want three times more calories from grains, fruits, and vegetables than you do from protein. So when people fill up on protein, they aren't filling up on carbs so that they take care of their muscles, but they don't fuel their muscles. So there's a lot of confusion today as to what do I eat? <laughs> well, that was a great answer. And a lot of what you talked about, I have follow-up that you'll be able to add on. So let's start with the notion of sports drinks, gels, and electrolytes. There's a lot of myths about that category. What's your take on sports drinks, gels, and electrolytes? Well, first of all, food works. And real food is always better because it comes in a matrix with synergistic effects and the body's used to real food. So sometimes, you know, you get athletes that just pound down these gels and they go, oh, that didn't settle, settle well at all because their body's not used to them on a daily basis. But there's a time and a place for everything. So certainly a sports drink, if they can get anything during a game or at least at halftime, provides not only water that they need to replace sweat, but it provides a little bit of energy. And a little bit of salt in that sports drink retains the fluid. So if you drink plain water, it goes in one end and out the other. If you have water with a little bit of sodium in it, it gets retained better. I would suggest to soccer players that they use a sports drink. They could also make their own in my sports nutrition guidebook. There are a couple of recipes for homemade sports drinks. Like I say, it's not nothing magic. In terms of the gels and the chomps and all these sports foods, if that's what is readily available to them, convenient, pre-wrapped, travels easily, and they don't have a budget, fine. But they can also have gummy bears, you know, they can have fruit, grapes, raisins, those sorts of things. Just to have anything is better than nothing. In your opening comments, you also mentioned protein. How much protein does an athlete need? Protein needs are based on body weight. Most American athletes get more than enough protein. I'm not concerned about they're getting enough protein. I'm more concerned about when they're eating it to optimize muscle repair and building. You want to be eating some protein, you know, every four hours, breakfast at seven, lunch at 11, pre-workout snack at three, dinner at six or seven. So if you're just having a packet of oatmeal for breakfast, put some peanut butter in it, make it with milk. If you're just grabbing a bagel for lunch, make sure you put some tuna fish in the bagel or some peanut butter in the bagel. Having protein every four hours is important, but we're not talking a lot, something the size of a deck of cards. Many athletes these days are going more plant-based, vegetarian or vegan, and they in particular need guidance as to how to get anywhere from say 15 to 25 grams of protein per meal like four times a day. And again, the 15 grams of protein would be for the smaller player. 25 grams might be for 150 pound player. And if they're bigger than that, they need more. But the bigger you are, the more you eat. And I don't meet a lot of soccer players that are protein deficient. Let's switch to hydration. How can I tell if I am well hydrated and have had enough to drink? The best way to tell if you're hydrated is if you get up in the morning, and you pee, you want to see pee that's 
light in of significant volume. If it's dark and concentrated and smelly, you're starting off the day dehydrated. That's not where you want to be. So that's the easiest. Thirst, you know, is a decent indicator. But when people are doing a lot of exercise in the heat, they really want to monitor their urine. They should be peeing every two to four hours. And it should be, I say, light color, light like lemonade, as opposed to dark like apple cider. And, you know, significant volume. What about vitamins? Do athletes need extra vitamins? Well, most athletes eat extra vitamins. So say, for example, one little spear of broccoli, a half a cup of cooked broccoli, gives you all the vitamin C that you need for the day. Eight ounces of orange juice gives you all the vitamin C that you need for the day. So I know thirsty soccer players that guzzle two cups, three cups, a quart of orange juice at a time. And they don't eat one little piece of broccoli. They eat a pile of broccoli. So you can get the vitamins that you need through the foods that you're eating. And the more you exercise, the more you eat and the more vitamins you can get, assuming you're eating quality foods. So there are athletes that eat a lot of foods with little nutrient density, should we say? They're the ones that probably would never take a vitamin supplement. I mean, the irony is the people who take vitamin supplements are the ones that don't need them. And the ones that wouldn't even think about taking one are the ones that also don't think about the quality of the food that they're eating. So great to be with Nancy Clark, a sports nutritionist. Let's move to muscle and bulk as soccer is a physical sport. So how does a young soccer player gain muscle and add bulk? Well, a young soccer player needs to recognize that their bodies change. The body that you have as a freshman in high school is not the body you have as a sophomore or junior or senior in high school. And the body you have as a freshman in college isn't the body you have as a senior in college. So there's a little bit of patience and maturing that has to occur. But in general, if the athlete does strength training, they can be strong. You know, without testosterone, the guys that want to bulk up, they just have to reach a level of maturity in order for their muscles to grow bulkier, but they can get stronger. What's needed to do that resistance training, the weightlifting that builds the muscles is grains and fruits and vegetables for carbs to fuel that workout combined with the protein to build and repair. So again, toast and peanut butter, cereal and milk, pasta and turkey meatballs, a sandwich, carb protein combinations is what's going to help that athlete build the muscle that they want. And if they need extra calories, if they're feeling as though they're too light, the easiest way to take extra calories is to drink extra juice and extra milk. You need fluid. So many athletes these days are drinking water. I know of one soccer player who over the summer, he traded his water in for a half gallon of cran apple juice. And he drank that cran apple juice instead of water. He gained 13 pounds over the summer. Now, so many people say, oh, juice, it's loaded with sugar. Sugar is what these athletes need. It's what fuels the muscles. So the conversation about sugar for an athletic soccer player is far different than the conversation about sugar for the unfit, overfat person who sits on their couch all day. Along with the sugar in juice does come nutritional value. Like I said, a glass of orange juice gets you 100 calories of fuel, and it also gives you all the vitamin C that you need for the day, potassium, folic acid. Now, Nancy, on the flip side of gaining weight, how can one lose weight and still have energy to train well? The trick to losing weight and having energy to train well is to fuel by day 
and then eat a little bit less at night. So you lose weight when you're sleeping. But coaches, you don't want your athletes trying to lose weight when they're training because then they'll be tired and exhausted and cranky. So again, you eat your breakfast, eat your lunch, have a pre-exercise snack, train hard or compete hard, refuel afterwards. And then as you're about to reach for more, maybe they have that bowl of ice cream. You go, hmm, would I rather be leaner or would I rather eat more? And the goal is to wake up ready for breakfast. And if you wake up ready for breakfast, then you go, aha, I lost weight last night when I was sleeping. But don't try to lose weight during the day because it backfires. You skimp during the day, you blow it at night, you gain weight. You mentioned carbs earlier, so I want more on that, but in line with what should I eat to burn more fat? Because I don't think it's carbs, but can you clarify? Fat burning happens at low level activity. As we're sitting here right now doing this podcast, we're burning fat. You know, if a fire alarm went off and I ran out of here, I'd be burning carbs. Burning fat is different from losing body fat. So it doesn't matter how much fat you burn. What matters is at the end of the day, have you created an energy deficit that you've eaten fewer calories than you've burned off? Then the misconception is, is that carbohydrates are fattening. And that is absolutely wrong. The conversion of excess calories of carbohydrate into body fat is really a difficult conversion. The body preferentially burns off carbohydrate. And when these soccer players are running around, that's what they rely on. So any kind of excess calorie is fattening. But at the end of the day, what are people eating? Chips, cookies, ice cream. And these are a lot of fatty foods. And the conversion of excess calories of fat into body fat is a really tough conversion. So that is, I'd look more at excess calories of fat as being fattening than excess calories of carbohydrate. Great conversation with Nancy Clark, a sports nutritionist. She's got Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook, the sixth edition. When we end, we'll find out where we can locate that and get that to everybody so that they can order it from Nancy Clark. But let me end with this because we've talked a lot about this pursuit of sports nutrition and adding muscle and making sure that we're not getting fat. Sometimes that can go the other way. What do we do to help a player who struggles with an eating disorder? I think is a a good way to wrap up our conversation here, Nancy. Yeah. An eating disorder is really, it's a psychological diagnosis, not a nutritional diagnosis. Eating disorders are common among people who feel inadequate, out of control, not good enough. So you take the freshman player on the team. I'm not good enough. And, oh, maybe if I'm lighter, I'll be better. And then they start restricting food and losing weight. And, you know, if they have significant weight to lose, they'll get nothing but praise the whole way down. Oh, you look so much better. The way that a coach wants to talk to someone is to say, are you okay? I mean, I noticed that you're lagging on energy. At the end of the practice, you're totally gassed. You're just spent. You don't seem as happy. I miss that sparkle in your eye. Are you okay? And that athlete will be fine for seven times. But then on the seventh time, that person might break down and just talk about how miserable that they are because they feel imperfect. They feel inadequate. They feel out of control. They feel not good enough. And that's where the coach can, you know, have them work with a sports psychologist and take them to the right people so that they get the help that they need. 
Now, here's what I'm looking for. United Soccer Coaches has more than 30,000 members. It's the world's largest coaches organization. If you had the opportunity, knowing that uh, some of these young kids don't have the biggest attention span, if you had the opportunity to whisper into every member's ear, every one of our coaches, and you only had 30 seconds to do it, Nancy Clark, and whatever you're whispering, then they only have 30 seconds to tell to the players, what would be your 30 second message to the coaches about the importance of sports nutrition for our athletes? I would say, I want to see every single player show up with evidence of having eaten a snack or eating a snack. And I want it to be a nutrient rich choice. It could be apple and cheese. It could be pretzels and hummus. It could be a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. It could be a granola bar, could be nuts and raisins, but I want you to have gas in the tank. And if you don't show up fueled, don't bother to show up. I like that answer. All right, Nancy Clark, as I mentioned, the sixth edition, Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook. You have the floor as we wrap it up, Nancy Clark. Where can people find this Sports Nutrition Guidebook? They can go to my website, which is Nancy Clark RD, Registered Dietitian. So N-A-N-C-Y-C-L-A-R-K-R-D. So nancyclarkrd.com. They can also go to any bookstore, amazon.com. It's been really well received by not only coaches, other dietitians, but also I get emails like the other day, I got an email from a mom. Dear Nancy, my 16 year old son spent the weekend reading your sports nutrition book. And, And she was just like, dumbfounded. (laughs) So it's an easy reader. You don't have to read the whole thing. You can read the chapters, sections that apply to you. Day-to-day eating on the run, sports nutrition fueling during refueling, weight management, how to lose weight, how to gain weight, how to deal with eating disorders. And then there are recipes, like I say, the recipes for sports drinks, homemade energy bars, family-friendly meals, quick and easy, nothing weird, and yummy. NancyClarkRD.com. That's where you can get Nancy Clark's Sports Nutrition Guidebook and a whole bunch more about tips and the importance of sports nutrition. Nancy Clark, a friend of Diane, is a friend of mine and a friend of the association. Thanks for being on the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. My pleasure. Sports performance and sports nutrition covered wall-to-wall on this week's United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. I want to thank all of our guests and all of you for listening, as well as Sean Chevrolet and Bailey Conklin and the great people at United Soccer Coaches and my producer, Colin Thrash. For each and every one of them, I'm Dean Linky. We'll see you next week for another edition of the United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. Thanks for listening to the weekly United Soccer Coaches podcast presented by Team Snap. To learn more, visit unitedsoccercoaches.org and teamsnap.com.